Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. continue to look at Psalm 119 today, but what we're doing is looking at it in light of the powerful word images, the word brushed painting, so to speak, of God's life creating power that we see in Genesis 1 and 2. And looking at how those images, those powerful kind of paintings, the Van Gogh, so to speak, more imagination than information in Genesis 1 through 3, how that creates imagination for us, imagery for us, as we come to the truths, the poetic meditations of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the entire Bible, and every verse in it, the 176 verses, every verse is a meditation or a prayer about our need for the power of God's Word. So the longest psalm and the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible. But it's not just information, it's art. It's arranged as an acrostic poem where each of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet has eight stanzas or eight verses, and each stanza, each verse, begins with that Hebrew letter. So Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, these are Hebrew letters, and under each of those letters are eight verses. That's some kind of a meditation on God's Word. It doesn't seem all that artistic to us because we can't see the Hebrew, but if you see the actual Hebrew text, it looks kind of cool seeing how it's arranged as an acrostic like this. And we miss the cadence of the Hebrew language as it's worded in such a way. But here's the deal. Art is something that's integral to God's Word. God's Word understands the importance of imagery and imagination. Imagery and imagination are essential if you're going to desire God and want to live by His promises and by His Word. Think of all the advertisements that you see, whether it's an advertisement that's an image on an internet page or it's an advertisement you're watching on a TV while you're watching the football game or something, all advertisements appeal to your imagination because they know that imagination is much more powerful than information in creating our desires. That's why ads are heavy on image and usually absent of information. Almost all advertisements have this basic message. Imagine having this, or imagine doing this, or being this. And they know that that's what it means to be human is we're driven by our imagination. Our desires are driven, created, empowered by our imagination. God created us as powerfully imaginative beings. And in the image of God without sin, the power of that imagination is something that God wanted us to use as we were in his image, exercising dominion and his care and creation over the earth. But in, in a sinful, exiled condition that we see in Genesis chapter 3, our imagination is going to be a tool that leads us to destructive desires. But God still created us as powerfully imaginative beings, and it's why the Word of God is filled 
with compelling imagery and imagination to get us to understand and desire and pursue what is life-giving to us. And one of the most repeated prayers throughout Psalm 119, we looked at it in the last episode, is for this, God, give me life according to your word in some way. Give me life through the life-creating power of his word in some way. And the ancient imagery from Genesis 1 and 2, I think, provides a compelling, imagination-filled meditation on how God's word gives us life by his spirit. If we can imagine what we read in some of those verses in chapter 1 and 2, for example, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now if we can imagine that, if we can build that image in our mind and sort of just slow down and sort of create this scene in our imagination... Paint this painting, this ancient painting written by uh, word-filled brushes 3,000 plus years ago. And if we can understand the power of this image, and then think of chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Picture God in some way breathing into the nostrils of the man. Now, remember, we said in the last episode, the word Adam is simply Hebrew for human or man. And so it's, translators have to make a choice whether to use the name Adam or just simply say a man. The NIV here has chosen to say a man. Think of it this way, that God breathing into the nostrils of the man, the breath of life, and the man becomes a living being. Think of the word of God, let there be light. Think of the spirit of God hovering over the darkness. Think of the breath of God filling a body with life, a human with life. And we're starting to understand God's picture, the Bible's picture of what the Bible is, of what God's word is. And what I want to do, and this is kind of strange because I'm adding and adding upon adding upon adding here, but I want to go to the imagery that we read in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, because alongside Genesis 1 and 2 that we looked at here, it has a powerful imagery of this painting, this image of God's life-creating word and God's life-creating spirit. Remember, God's word and God's spirit are almost synonymous in the Bible. And I have in your show notes verses that show that to be true. I'm going to read the verses, and I want you to use your imagination to build this picture in your mind. Think of this scene. Build this scene in your mind, almost like a movie. But build it as something that God is wanting you to create by your imagination and to see this power of God's Spirit, the power of God's breath, breathing His Word into our life, and it gives life to us, our, our dead bodies, so to speak, our lifeless souls. God's Word gives life to us. So let me read it. The hand of the Lord was on me, 
and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And so this is a vision, a lot like the Apostle John is having in the book of Revelation. Ezekiel is having a vision by God's Spirit, and he is now in a scene in the middle of a valley. In some sense, we might even say by the Spirit of God, he's showing Ezekiel a movie, a film of something that is true. It says here in verse 1 that he was in the middle of a valley, and then it goes on and says, It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, the bones. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So we're imagining this scene of this valley, the dust, the thorns, the thistles, and there are these bones that are very brittle and dry. Verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy. In other words, speak my word. Speak God's word by the Spirit of God. That's what prophesy means. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. So picture this scene. God is saying, Prophesy. Speak these words as my prophet. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the I am. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Just this scene of the word of Yahweh, the word of the I am being spoken is like breath entering dry bones. The next verse, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And that's the all capital L-O-R-D, that I am Yahweh, that I am the I am. So I prophesied as was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, And the bones came together, bone to bone. Now just think about this. This is drawing a picture for us. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Just This is an imaginary, powerful picture of what God is saying His Spirit, His breath, His Word does to our dead selves. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. So picture these bones starting to now come together, this dry valley of dead bones, and they're just loose bones on the ground, dry bones. And now there's a rattling sound, a noise, and these bones are starting to come together. It's like a film, right? It's like a it's like a movie scene we've seen different kinds of ways over and over in our lives. This is the Bible, thousands of years old. Verse 8, Ezekiel says, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, the sovereign I am. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them. 
they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, that I am Yahweh, that I am the I am. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Now, this passage is a highly imaginative, imaginary image of, I don't know how to say it, but it has this whole sense of God painting a picture for us through this drama, through this like film scene of this dry valley and these dry bones loose on the ground. And they start to come together and they start to make a rattling sound. And these bones come together into skeletons and then tendons and muscle and skin is attached. But they're just lifeless bodies like zombies until the breath of God enters them by the word of God spoken from Ezekiel. So the word of God spoken caused these bones to come together. And then the word of God spoken became breath to fill these lifeless bodies with God's spirit, with breath, with life. And then God says, these are going to be the people of Israel. Now remember, we are Israel. We are the seed of Abraham. The Bible in the New Testament says that those who believe in Christ are the descendants of Abraham, the descendants of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. The promises to Israel, it says in Romans chapter 11, are like the promises of an olive tree that we have been grafted into and have become part of Israel. This is this larger story that your life is in if you are a follower of Christ, that you are, in a sense, without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, you're walking around like the walking dead. And then God's Word, God's Spirit, in some way awakened you, and you started coming to life. And then God's Spirit, God's Word, has caused you to become somebody who is made alive together with Christ and raised together with Christ and seated together with Christ and given life, the life of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And it happens by the Word of God. It happens by the power of God's Word, which is the power of God's Spirit. And ultimately, it will fully happen in the resurrection, which is ultimately what this passage is talking about, that I, I will open your graves and bring you up from them, and I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. In other words, we will have the, what Paul says in Romans 4, that the promise of the land was actually the promise of the entire world, that we will inherit this renewed, restored world creation in resurrected bodies. What would otherwise be impossible is made possible by the power of God's Spirit, just as he hovered over the lifeless, formless, dark earth and said, let there be light, and there was light. So remember, Jesus says in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. 
The flesh is of no help at all. We're like dead bones coming together, but there's no, there's no breath of life. But it is the Spirit who gives life. And then he says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus is saying that his words are the spirit and the breath and the life of God that brings life to our flesh. And ultimately, all the Bible, Jesus says, are his words. This is what he said to his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. All of what is written in the books of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms are his words and must be fulfilled. The New Testament says in 2 Timothy 3.16, remember, says all scripture is God-breathed. So we want to get this image of what something that's God-breathed looks like. When God breathes into the man's nostrils, he becomes a living being. When God breathes into these dead bones that have come together, they come alive with the breath of God. And that happens by the word of God. And so the New Testament says, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is the breath of God. Jesus says, my words that I have spoken are spirit and life. And the spirit gives life. So again, Ezekiel 37 verse 4, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. That's a picture. We're to imagine this. Just like we imagine the Holy Spirit hovering over our darkness and lifelessness and saying, let there be light and there is life. We're to imagine being dry bones. And then those bones come together and create a standing zombie, so to speak. And then we're to hear the word of God and it creates breath in us and it causes us to come to life by God's spirit. These are pictures, more than information, it's imagination the Bible is giving us to show us the vital importance of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in our lives. If you're trying to go through life very minimal on the Word of God, then you really are going to be like the walking dead. But here you are listening to this podcast, so you want something more. And so let's go back to Psalm 119 again, and let's look at those verses specifically that are a meditation on the idea of God giving us life by His Spirit, giving us life by His Word. Let me read these verses again and imagine that scene. Well, really imagine these three scenes. Imagine the scene of the darkness and the Spirit of God hovering and then speaking life. Imagine the scene of God creating the man and then breathing into his nostrils the breath of life and he became alive. Imagine the scene of these dry bones on the valley floor and they come together and then eventually the breath of God enters them by the word of God and they come to life. And with those images, let me read these verses in Psalm 119 again that we looked at in the last episode, most of them we looked at. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Imagine those scenes and then imagine this prayer. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Imagine the Spirit of God speaking his word, breathing the breath of God's Spirit to give you life. Otherwise, you are just dust. You cling to the dust. But God gives you life 
by his word. And that's what we're reading right now. By these very words that we're reading, the very words of the picture in Ezekiel of the dry bones in the valley that come to life, the very words in Genesis of the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness and speaking light and life, the very words of Genesis 2 of breathing life into his nostrils and he became a living being, the very words of Jesus when he says, the Spirit gives life, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The very words in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. As you hear these words, and as we say the words of Psalm 119, there's a power in them. God's spirit is breathing life into your soul. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Ways there is a synonym of God's instruction, God's commandments, God's word. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and give me life. Breathe into my nostrils the breath of life. Hover over me and speak your words of light creating life into me by your word. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts. I long for your word. I long for your commands. I long for your instruction. In your righteousness, give me life. Otherwise, I'm the walking dead. Otherwise, I'm just dry bones. But in your righteousness, by the power of your word, give me life. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. When you have affliction of any kind, it's the promise of God that gives you life. The promise that Jesus said, nothing happens to you outside the care of your heavenly father. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground apart from the care of your heavenly father. And Jesus says, take heart, you're much more valuable to your heavenly father than a sparrow. He knows the very number of hairs on your head. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life, that nothing happens to me outside of the care of my heavenly father. Here's another promise. Everything that happens to us, good and bad, he's going to turn into good in our glorification, according to Romans 8, verses 28 through 30. Here's another promise that gives life, that he is always with me. The I am is infinitely present with me all the time. And he wants me to cast all my cares on him because he cares about everything I care about because he cares about me. Here's another promise that gives me life, that I'm going to rise from the dead, come out of the grave with a new body made new by the Spirit of God on a renewed earth. And that Paul says that our momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. So this is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Let God's promise of his word, the spirit spoken power of his word, give you life, even in your affliction. Verse 88, in your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Thinking of all the word of God as being testimonies from his mouth, the truth that comes from the word of God, the mouth of God, that gives me life. In your steadfast love, Give me life. God's focused, infinite, steadfast love upon me, speaking life into me by his word that comes from his mouth as he breathes into my nostrils his breath of life by his spirit. 
You see how powerful this is when you start to use the imagery of the Bible of what the Word of God is and the breath of God and the Spirit of God that gives life to us through His Word. It's no longer this book about the, you know, it's no longer this Bible that's boring. It's this Word of God from the mouth of God that breathes the very breath of God into our lifeless bodies and awakens us to real life forever. Even now, even now we experience the power of his promises that gives us life. Even now we experience his steadfast love that gives us life by the word of his mouth. This is how Jesus lived. He's always quoting the Bible. Every kind of circumstance he gets into, he's always quoting the Bible. Even on the cross, he's quoting the Psalms. He's quoting the Bible. This is how Jesus lived. The Bible was so powerful in his life. We never want to get to some foolish deception where we think to ourselves, well, I'm just going to focus on Jesus. I'm not going to be so much concerned about the Bible. I just want to walk with Jesus. As if we can somehow walk with Jesus and reject the very thing that was the very center of his life, the Bible. Verse 107, I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, Yahweh, the I am, according to your word, according to your breath, According to your spirit that hovers over me, think of these images, dry bones coming together, breathing and creating life, breathing into my nostrils, the breath of life, breathing into my darkness, the word of God that gives light and life. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Give me life. Verse 149, hear my voice according to your steadfast love. And it's good to speak these words. If you have your podcast set on, you know, to get rid of empty space by going to the next line, sometimes that's not going to help because I'm going to pause here right now and let you have a chance to say this because that's what this verse says. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord. According to your justice, give me life. Now, here's what I think about when I think of according to your justice. I think of 1 John 1, 9 where the Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's interesting because what prompts God to forgive us is his faithfulness to his justice. Because Jesus died for our sins, God is just to have our sins go to Jesus on the cross. He's not going to have double jeopardy against us. He's not going to have Jesus die on the cross and make us pay for our sins if we confess our sins and come to him and walk in the light, which is the context of 1 John chapter 1, of coming into the light, walking in the light. And part of walking in the light is being honest with God about our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So 149, verse 149 again, hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord, according to your justice, and I in my mind say according to Jesus, give me life. So let's repeat that. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. Say that. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. Verse 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. 
plead my cause and redeem me. The Bible says, the New Testament says that Jesus is at the right hand of God. John, in that very passage I just read in 1 John 1, he says in chapter 2, actually, verse 1, that we have an advocate. If anybody does sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He's right there at the right hand of the Father, pleading your case and giving you redemption. This is an image. It's an imaginary picture the Bible wants you to have. Jesus at the right hand of God, being your lawyer, being your advocate, being your attorney, and pleading to God on His on your behalf and according to the justice of God because Jesus has died for your sins, for God to forgive your sins. So again, verse 154, plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Verse 156, great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Now that's a weird thing because again, these are all synonyms of God's word. But according to God's truth is sometimes the, the what I substitute for all these things. God's truth and his word, according to his commands, according to his truth, give me life. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your truth, according to your word, according to your commandments and your rules and your righteousness, according to the power of your word, give me life. And there is a sense in which the instruction of God, the truth of God's commandments, is what gives his life to us. God commands everything out of his desire to protect us and provide for us. His commandments are to give us life. They're how we get out of the zombie walking dead life is to hear the instruction of God and live according to his commandments, according to his ways. So great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your word, according to your rules, according to your truth. Verse 159, consider how I love your precepts. That's a synonym for your word. Give me life according to your steadfast love. There's that phrase again. Give me life according to your steadfast love. And so pray this with me in your heart. Oh God, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Behold, I long for your word. In your righteousness, give me life. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. I will never forget your precepts. I will never forget your rules, your word, your ways, your instruction, your truth. For by your word, you have given me life. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord, according to your justice, according to your righteousness. Give me life. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your commandments, according to your rules, according to your instruction. Consider how I love your word. Give me life according to your steadfast love. Speak into my dry bones your breath of life, your word that causes me to come to life. Make your breath enter me that I would come to life. 
and I cling to your promise that even though I go to my grave, you are going to bring me up from the grave and you will bring me back to your land of redemption, your land of restoration, your land of resurrection in a resurrected body. And I will be your people and the forever God will be my God forever. And I will know forever that you are, he is, you are the I am. You promise to open my grave and bring me up from it. And you will put your spirit in me forever. And I will live forever. And I will know forever that you are the I am and that you have done it. The forever God is my God forever because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, the forever God is my God forever. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.